0: Warning, Warning, this this podcast podcast exceeds the Surgeon General's General's recommended recommended
1: limit of awesome. This this is Nutty Nutty Bites.
2: Hello, Mixed Neck Cases. This is Nuke Chess, and I've got a special episode of Intro to Ghibli Cast for you. That's right, this is a special Nutty Bites Talk Nerdy to Me crossover episode that we do where uh, myself and my regular antagonist. Hi, I'm Tech. Are newbies to the Studio
3: Ghibli movies, and our guides...
4: This is the point Uh, where you guys introduce yourselves.
3: You know, everyone keeps giving us these raw jumps I'm staring at Jason, waiting for him to start, and he's just kind of like looking at the screen. (laughs) Uh, We are the hosts of the Talk Nerd TV
2: podcast. Jen. And Jason. They are our guides. They have seen all of the movies, and they are taking us as we go one by one through them in order. We, um, the only one out of order was the first episode, which was My Neighbor Totoro. And today we are going to be discussing Kiki's Delivery Service. Now, Tech and I, we watched the uh, second English uh, dub uh, that was done by Disney and released in 1998. Um... What uh, versions have you two watched? Um, I've actually
1: not heard the original uh, English dub, the one that did not have the great late great Phil Hartman in it. Um, I've listened to the uh, uh, Japanese audio, of course, with subtitles. But um, I prefer when it comes to the English dub. I definitely prefer the Disney one. I think um, Phil Hartman is a wonderful, wonderful treat in that dub.
2: Yes, he's well,
4: what all cats sound like. What we did with this one, because it was available on the DVD, and mm-hmm. I'd like to keep doing it for many more of them, is we watched it with the, the English Disney dub, mm-hmm. but we had the subtitles on. Now, these weren't the subtitles you know, for the hard of hearing, which is a direct translation of the, um, of the, the, the spoken word, but this was the, the subtitles of the Japanese translation, so you could see spaces where, uh, the, two de- where the, the, the audio and the, the, the words uh, deviated, where some of it was a more literal translation than another. Some of them, they, they'd add in more jokes, or they would take something a little less literally. And uh, watching the two simultaneously, you got sort of a, a broader context on, on some parts of the movie. And uh, I want to keep doing that for more of, these, uh, more of these anime movies that I watch. I found it, uh, it adds quite a bit
1: absolutely yeah, it also um with that i can't remember which direction it is but um if i'm not mistaken towards the end of the film um part of the i can't remember if they added in dialogue in the english dub or if it was actually there was actual language in the japanese track because that gives away kind of a part of the 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 this finish of the movie hmm.
2: I don't know, uh, since we only saw the, uh, the latest English one. Um, I did go back and uh, look up on YouTube. I wanted to hear what the music was, would sound like in Japanese. And it's pretty much uh, the same thing, just Japanese words. But uh, very beautiful. I really enjoyed it. I, I love the music overall. I love the feel overall. It, to me, this movie is what it's like to be a kid. Uh, absolutely. I, I
1: think, though, I, I really do think this resonates with young females far more than it does young guys. I think outside of Spirited Away, I think Kiki's Delivery Service hits all those notes in stride with no hiccups at all, really. Mm. Just because I think I, I really think this is probably Miyazaki's best young female story, even though he does a lot of really good female characters. Mm.
2: I. I also particularly like the way that uh, the animation is done. They get the movement of children so perfectly. The way that they run, because you know, kids and, and young adults do not move the same way that adults do, and you have never seen any other animator able to capture it in the same way. No, and it was the the
4: same way in Totoro when you're yeah. watching Little May run around and hop over things, and it was very much the way a toddler moves. And it was the same thing with the way every character moved in this movie. Um, the, oh, I had a point. Anyway, come back to me, go.
2: Okay. So uh, the original movie came out in 1989. And I think that's interesting to note. Uh, it is the first on our list of Miyazaki's films for Studio Ghibli. Uh, it runs 102 minutes long and it is written, produced, uh, directed by everything by Hayao Miyazaki.
4: I remembered my point.
2: Yes, I find it.
4: You know, all of these movies, and we can we can compare them to a lot of the Disney movies, in that there's a there's a a fantasy element to these movies, and a like a uh, a suspension of disbelief. You know, okay, so this is a world where witches exist. That's not the fantastic part to me, and it was a point that I brought up when we were watching it. It's like that. This is a world where you can send your 13-year-old daughter off by herself to another city to live out a year alone, yeah. and everybody's okay with that. And it's not creepy or weird or dangerous, and it's
2: just, all right, have fun, honey. We'll see you in a year. Oh, hey, you're a 13-year-old girl. Here, I'll give you a room, and I have no, uh, not a bad bone in my body. I actually want to help you and all of the people that hire her. Nobody tries to take advantage of this girl, and that's kind of cool.
4: You know, if this was our world, you'd have like witch pimps.
2: Oh, it'd be horrible. Oh, yeah. But I'm, I'm so happy. Like it, it made me feel happy watching a world that you could do this. Right,
4: and you know th- that was the fantastical part. Like this is a cool world. All right, I'm into this world. What, what, what else can? And Phil Hartman's a cat. Awesome.
1: Yes. Uh, you know, Phil. Go ahead. Uh, you know, Phil. And I, the world of Jesus, Kiki's Delivery Service is. It's probably one of the most well blended of the fantastical and reality because if you watch in the very beginning, right, like the older lady talks about how she remembers when Kiki's mom came and she never really was, you know, she never really was super surprised that a young witch showed up. It just seemed like one of those things that kind of happened Because, you know, like they said, there was a a tradition of them Mm -hmm. leaving at age 13 to go train for a year. Well, when Kiki gets to the bigger city, it's like either they've moved on beyond that and it's just not something you see or happens very often. But yet there's people within the city who kind of accept it as something that can happen, such as um, the lady whom she ends up staying with, as well as um the lady in the woods um both of them seem to accept and move right on with the fact Mm. that you know she just flies out of the sky from nowhere
2: well and the 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 guy that was working on the clock says it right at the beginning as she shows up that it'd been so long since they had a witch in that city that they didn't think that they'd ever get another one so people just kind of moved on without uh thinking that there would be a witch in that town so let's let's move on um into the plot summary, unless Jen, is there something you wanted to say for overall feelings? No, I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> font of font of uh, information there, Jen. Gre- great, great back and forth there, Jen. Thanks a lot for that. All right, let's move on. Let's move on to the summary. <laughs> so, a uh, thirteen-year-old trainee, which Kiki leaves home with her talking black cat, cat, Gigi, and she flies on her broomstick to port city of Corico. While trying to find somewhere to live, Kiki is pursued by Tombo, a geeky boy obsessed with aviation who admires her flying ability. Okay, so that, that skips over uh, the beginning part, which is Kiki's ready to leave, even though she's supposed to go camping with her dad that weekend. And uh, I don't know. I think as a parent, I'd be uh, a bit upset.
3: <laughs> well, I mean... I I think personally, that caught every kid that is ready to go to college or like off you yeah. know that are that that is ready to go home that literally personified every kid that's ready to leave home they're like oh i'm ready i'm going
2: yeah, no, I think you're right. Um I'm just sitting here looking at it, it was like she's thirteen, but I guess I should put it into perspective of, yeah, but it's not the same as when I was thirteen. Right. right. And and
4: whether it's, you know, you're going camping with your dad or you're going to Tashi Station to pick up power converters, mm. it doesn't matter. There's always something else to do, but when it's time, it's time. It's time. Yes. You see that you geek know, reference I threw in there that was, like that? that was Wasn't good. that
2: good? You know what would have been cooler had you not hung a lantern on it.
4: Well, <laughs> you you got to. So, like, jokes are funnier when you explain well, them. Lanterns are brighter when you so hang them. So,
2: as on we're watching this, we're trying to place it because at first we just assumed it was going to be in Japan. Well, no, it's not. It seems to be like generically European, and then the city she goes to seems to be generically French. Yeah, and, you know,
1: it's really quick about her leaving home. I think one of the things that this whole film does very well and very subtly is show her progression from a very immature and rather spontaneous person Mm -hmm. to becoming far more mature. And I think the city she chooses to go to is also – an example of her impetuousness, right? Mm. Like she sees that city and the only thing she really cares about is that it's on the water and it's like the first big city she's come to. Like she doesn't actually like take a time to look around. You know, she does come across the one uh, young witch as she's flying, who's kind of a a five-letter word. Um, That's
4: four
3: letters. uh, Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Snubby. There
4: you go.
1: And um, so, you know, it, it shows that, you know, even with her, you know, even when she's like, her dad's like, hey, we we're supposed to go camping. She's like, nope, I'm gone. And mind you, she does give reasons. You know, it, it's a full moon, clear night, blah, blah, blah. But at the same time, it definitely shows how she still hasn't thought this completely through yet. Mm. Um, but also, I like, you know, with the town itself, yes, it is, it's very vaguely, you know, French, even though it's more of a generic European. Yeah. You know, countryside. How come setting.
3: I was getting a London
1: feel? Cuz of the big clock I bet money. Mm, well, that it was it was, a, it was a very
4: generically European town. The thing that struck French for me most is that the bakery made baguettes.
2: Mm, and the gendarmes.
4: Right. And then the the, the typical gendarme-style cops that were they, you know, they weren't bobbies, they were Yeah. They were and very, then there
2: was like German-style writing on some of the buildings. It was just yeah. it was just all over the place and it was I kept going, "Wait, but where are they?" Belgium, there we go, they? right in the middle, they, they <laughs> were in come. Belgium <laughs> So, um, I, her arrival in the city is, as we said, uh, it's mentioned that the city doesn't, hasn't had a witch in a while And so it seems like the youth have no idea what she is or what to expect And then the older people are like, well, it's a witch, duh, look, black dress, flying in a broom, duh
1: Yeah, but man is Tombo tone deaf. Holy
3: (laughs) cow! He's a boy. And again, and he knew like right off that she was true. She was very true, but it it was the older it was the older ones that were more excited.
1: Yeah, yeah, but what I mean is like when I mean that he's tone deaf, right? Like she already points out that like he just he jumps all over the fact she's a witch. She's like, oh, he's like, oh my god, she's a witch. She can fly. Cute. She's how to fly. Oh my god, oh my god, and she's like, um. Who the heck are you?
2: What's your name? We haven't been introduced. I can't talk to you until we've been introduced. Oh my lord! Yeah, <laughs> like, and, you know, it, it, but it's great because sitting you know,
4: at a Ouija you, board channeling Emily Post.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but no, like, I I like that scene a lot because. Tombo is this teenage boy who's who's making inventions, his friends are older and they are driving. Like, so he doesn't really pick up on the fact that she's new and like she's not really accustomed to such a such behavior, but he's just all over her. And it's not even like in the sense of like, oh, she's so hot. like. But it's more like, oh, my God, something new. Holy crap. Holy crap. New. She flies. Oh, my God. I love flying. Please teach me to fly. And she's like, calm the heck down, buddy.
3: Well, and I think it shows more of how she's from a smaller town. Oh, oh yeah. And he's from a bigger city. I mean, like the the differences are always phenomenal. As it is, mm-hmm. and she is like, okay, you know, we have customs and we have things you have to do, and he's like, it's a city, you just kind of jump in. Also,
1: yep. it, have you noticed that his stereotypically red and white striped French outfit?
2: Yes. <laughs> now
4: let's but, let, let's talk about Tombo for a second. I'm going to bring him up later again, but so imagine being 13 and having. A passion and interest in this case he he likes flying machines and he wants to fly now imagine all of a sudden on your doorstep is dropped the personification of everything you've ever thought about in the in the history of ever of course you're going to be infatuated
1: yeah and, oh absolutely
4: yeah and it, it's just wow i really wish i could fly hey Hey Tombo, here's a flying girl. Oh my god, I want to talk to her about everything and her cat is cool. Yeah. But by the way, uh the cat Gigi and his relationship with the snobby white poofy cat next door. We
2: haven't gone there yet.
4: It's there. No.
2: She hasn't even moved in yet. Hang on, hang on. Yeah, she hasn't even made pancakes yet. No. All right. So, uh she meets a woman who a baker who has a bakery and she's trying to run after somebody to because uh one of her customers left without the baby's pacifier so kiki delivers it for her by flying on her broom and it gives her an idea of opening a delivery business so in exchange for accommodation kiki helps Osono, which is the uh, kindly owner of the bakery um uh so uh she opens a witch delivery business and works out of the ba- ba- uh, out of the bakery delivering by broomstick. Her first delivery goes badly. Uh she is caught in the wind and loses a black cat toy which by the way is awesome cuz Gigi looks at it and goes, "Hey, it's me. Every time he no, sees a black cat anywhere, it's me."
1: Yeah, you know, <laughs> but if you really quick about Osano yeah. is when she's offers to allow kiki to Mm -hmm. live in their upstairs room she said you know kiki's so excited and and everything and she goes yeah but first we have to introduce ourselves which is kind of which is a very good throwback and gives a very subtle it's a very subtle hint that asano and her family is exactly where kiki needs to be
0: exactly
1: they're they're not super city but they're not small town so it's a really good way for her to adjust
2: yeah they're kind of like uh the crossover between country and city
4: Right. Yep. And Osano, by the way, voiced by my absolute most favorite voice actress of yes. them all, Tress McNeil, who, mm-hmm. uh, uh, to my fellow nerds of my generation, will know her as Mom from uh, Futurama.
2: And everything oh, else you've ever listened right. to, she's in it. So um, so they move in. Uh, now, would you, let, you want to talk about the white cat?
4: Gigi finds himself on a windowsill and looks out at the... Uh, at a uh, a white uh, poofy female cat who he becomes immediately infatuated with uh, d- and it it becomes the the little comic relief episodes of mm-hmm. this movie where every time he tries to make an advancement on this cat he is rebuffed and snubbed and sn- and is hilarious
1: so and see, the- I, go ahead no i was saying i see i understand they play it for jokes but that relationship becomes something very serious through the mm-hmm. through the climax of this film. And it also symbolizes some other things going on with Kiki. Um again, this this does it very subtly because, you know, during her time after her first delivery, um or no, I'm sorry, the was the was the was it the cake that was the first delivery and then the
3: cat? No, it's the no, cat it was cat first. first. Cat was the very no, first delivery. Because
1: she gets paid for that and after she does it, um she or no i'm sorry before she just before she gets that delivery she has to go for shopping yes. for her for her room and along the way she starts seeing things that she wouldn't have seen in her hometown she sees the beautiful shoes the nice yep. dresses she hears the girls talking about what they're going to wear to this birthday party and she you know laments that she wishes she could have one because she's still kind of upset about the traditional dress that her mom had her wear mm-hmm. and all of these things are very, very wonderful, subtle hints at her mental space. And her mental space is a very key thing in this film.
2: Absolutely. Um, and because, if I may, yeah, when they're at the store again, Gigi sees a cup with a black cat on it and he says, hey, it's me. <laughs> <laughs>
1: you know, it, 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 it. you know, and it's that also again to me is a is that's an ominous thing for me Mm because the way this plays out especially with the very end of it which i'll get to when we get there Mm -hmm. but his Mm self-identity is is very key to one kiki and two kiki's middle space and three her powers Mm
2: -hmm. but we will get there when that happens um i -hmm. do want to mention that i think phil hartman is perfect i never thought I would I never thought that Phil Hartman is exactly what a cat would be, but he really is Um, because cats are not they're not dogs. They're not going to jump all over you, love you and and be affectionate. But they're cool and snarky and grumpy and fun. And he acts just like a cat because he hates the water and he loves himself. And I just adore it.
1: And I love when she's on this first delivery and Mm -hmm. she's flying with the geese and he just goes, oh, yeah, they said there's a breeze coming. You should fly higher. Mind you, they only gave her like two seconds to fly higher before this gust of wind tries to take her and Gigi to the ground.
2: Yeah. So, So the delivery is it's a birdcage with a little stuffed black cat in it. And they start flying, and the geese are like, oh, it's going to get windy, you better get higher. And then they don't, and they get thrown into the trees with, what What are the birds there? Uh, crows. Are they crows? Yeah. yeah, they're crows. And then the crows get all mad at them. because they think, her an egg thief. Yeah, because they think she's trying to steal the eggs. She and... totally
1: was. <laughs> she needed them
2: for pancakes. I, by the way, just like a cat, not
1: to translate immediately.
2: I know, right? He just waits. Waits till it's, it's important uh, or until asked. So uh, they start to fly away and then they discover that the cat is missing from the bird cage. So Kiki's great idea, instead of going down and looking for the cat because she's already late, uh, Gigi's got to pretend to be the toy, which introduces one of my favorite characters in this series, right? <laughs> and then and then she'll she'll come back and and look for the cat and swap him out. So she does this. A uh, little boy is the recipient, and he gets all little excited, brat. <laughs> little brat, and he runs and he starts playing with it. And uh, what should the the cat see when he gets into the playroom?
1: The the another uh, it's uh, oh no it's uh, the big Marmaduke dog. Yes, <laughs> I love I love this dog. He's great.
2: Do you, do you want to talk about the, somebody, the best scene there?
1: Somebody in the art department
4: has mm-hmm. an old dog. Somebody has an old dog that they are in love with, and uh, use that as the muse for for the animation here. Because this this old dog is just absolutely perfect, and the voice acting from Phil Hartman is he has to remain perfectly still while this big old dog, you know, slowly wakes up and curls around him and snuffles about and. The cat sweats into the floor. Right, yeah. The 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 sweating and the paralyzing, but the just the, the tiny little vocalizations that Phil Hartman was doing here at this point are absolutely yeah, and he's,
1: fantastic. Yeah, he's his his he he gives this scene way more depth than you would figure when it's He's just he's li- he's literally talking like this because he's supposed to be holding very still. Mm-hmm. And and this big loving Marmaduke dog is just like, Kitty, I know you're real. I'm going to cuddle your face and just,
4: <laughs> and just and he just
1: plop. Like the yep. only thing he could have done to make this even more accurate is to lick the cat because he knows the cat just just not like that. <laughs>
2: So that that's lots of comic amusement and I, I absolutely love it. But then Kiki goes and she finds um, she goes back to the site and she finds a, a cabin and there is a young painter named Ursula who lives there. And um, so
4: voiced by Janine Garofalo. Yes,
2: voiced by Janine Garofalo. Oh, did we mention that Kirsten Dunst is uh, Kiki? <sighs> she's so, so good. Uh. It's, it's at just the right time. You know, she's like 18 years old at that point. Seventeen. Was she 17? Yeah. Okay. I was close. And you know, just ha- still has the voice of a kid and it just sounds so perfect. But Janine Garofalo, I did not pick up that it was her, but once I found out, I was like, Oh, of course uh, it's so perfect. She plays this painter. And so Kiki trades uh, cleaning Ursula's cabin and Ursula will repair the cat helps her find the cat repairs the cat because it got all ripped up and uh so that she can finish the delivery and uh anything else we need to say about that part um i i
1: really like again I, i think subtlety is the key with this film because with with ursula's introduction this is no no longer a transitional character. Um, Ursula's definitely a woman of the world. She's definitely very independent. She's very self-assured. And she lives alone. She Mm -hmm. she lives alone in the woods. So, I mean, logic would dictate that she built this cabin herself. Um, And because she seems to be a very introspective and very artsy, you know, wizened woman who's not the older, you know, easier e- kind of the easier one easier woman to get along with for kiki when you look at um uh the the baker um she's definitely kiki's window into a bigger larger place because mm-hmm. she because she's not something kiki's used to even though i think uh ursula's definitely mirrors kiki's mom a bit because kiki's yeah. mom is kiki's mom is very very independent and strong um and so i think that's a good bookend for kiki's development but then becomes again a yeah oh, absolutely absolutely
2: but not yet uh so first she goes back and she does the whole swap out and again the dog helps out by uh taking the kitty out when he goes outside to relieve himself and then they swap the cat for the doll and he goes back inside and nobody is the wiser Super smart dog. Love this dog. He I love it more.
3: I love the part where Gigi's like, "He's a good dog," <laughs> like, like all
1: Gigi should have done. He should have petted him. He should have totally petted that dog. Yeah,
3: <laughs> right on the nose.
2: I love it. I love it so much. Um, so uh, Kiki, I would say, reluctantly accepts a party invitation from Tombo, um, but and she's you know he gives her this invitation. He wants her to come to this. Uh, party for his aviation club and at first she's like i'm not going but then of course she's making plans she's like how can i go i have nothing good to wear girl 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 but she has a delivery to do and uh because of it she ends up getting delayed and uh that that delivery first she has to go to the two old ladies house right by Let, the way... Let's start off with his yeah.
4: his invitation. Start yeah, go Because you said girl, girl, girl things. Yeah. The invitation is, hi, I'm a boy. Can you come to boy things with a boy?
2: Because boy, oh yeah, my much. God, you're a girl. And you fly, boy, boy things. Fly. <laughs> yes, that's exactly what happened. And that's her exactly. response was, I'm a girl. I don't know how to answer. I'm a girl, 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 girl things. What will I wear?
1: <laughs> and, and seriously, this is... Ab- if you could go back to the first time you ever had to ask a a young lady or a young guy to a dance like this is exactly what's going on like no one is communicating properly at all cuz cuz when he shows up to get her
2: from oh my this gosh thing, this dude looks like he's going to prom and he doesn't wait longer than, what was it, 10 minutes? Yeah, yeah, he, minutes? he waits 10
4: minutes for a 13-year-old girl. He's like, oh, she's not coming, and he leaves.
1: Again, lack of communication. But my goodness, my goodness, that white suit, pretty immaculate, just saying. Oh, yeah,
2: yeah, sharp-dressed man. He's got that part down right.
1: And so- he doesn't get no mud on that suit. That dude, <laughs> man, he's, he's walking on cloud nine.
3: I again want to touch on how well Miyazaki got uh, the whole teenage persona going oh yeah the whole the her going well you know maybe but i don't i don't think so and then you know but she's actually making plans to go to the party i think
1: i think it's i think the actual climax of that scene where she's like i'm soaking wet and i have nothing to wear i'm not going and just runs up to her room i'm like Oh, yeah. I'm pretty sure one of my sisters did that at some
3: point. (laughs) (laughs) And I don't think that was exactly just the clothes that upset her, though. Oh, no. Because that scene, like, really bothers me. And I think, Mm. like,
1: but, you know, I think a lot of her frustration at that point was the fact that she just couldn't tell those little old ladies no.
2: Mm. Well, and she wanted to help
1: them. Oh, and um, really quick, Mm. uh, Miyazaki Universe connection here. Those two little old ladies are also... Two of the three little old ladies from Ponyo. Okay, that's when we get when we get to Ponyo. Uh, Betty White's trio of older ladies. Uh, two of two of the these two of these ladies. These two ladies are a part of that trio.
2: Right. Okay. Um, and um, so so Tech and I have decided that they are an old married couple
1: <laughs> who make the most disgusting pie.
3: <laughs> what was it what was it mackerel hair it was herring herring. and pumpkin yeah herring and pumpkin oh god that's gross mind you
1: if this is your grandmother you need to eat it and you grit your teeth and you deal with it this little kid my god this little kid my mom if, if if i did this with something my grandmother got me holy
2: cow she would have snatched my soul out of my body oh, yeah absolutely yeah the the, but, the, the 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 granddaughter is a total snob um right so the plot here is
4: that kiki has to deliver this disgusting pie that these old ladies <laughs> made to this <laughs> birthday she he- party she
3: helped bake it right yeah. she helped make
4: oh, it yeah, as part of the kil- deal she gets she get, killed right yeah. in a kiln they get uh she delivers the pie and the kid takes it and Isn't just, it oh, oh, it's one of my grandmother's disgusting pies. Oh, yuck, disgusting. Uh, and no, Jason, you're absolutely right, because for one... um uh, the whole time that I would have been waiting for the pie, I would have had a speech from my mother about, you know, your grandmother's baking you a pie, and it's important to her, and you're going to eat it, and you're going to like it, because I had to eat it, and I had to like it, but and I you're going to like it. Grandma
2: the... not to make it this year.
4: Yeah, well, you're going to eat it, and you're going to like it, and then you're going to write her a letter explaining to her exactly how much you liked it, and <laughs> Kiki's yeah. going to deliver the letter back.
1: <laughs> Sorry. Exactly, dude, exactly. Because she... you're going to be like, look, you know, she's going to make a mackerel pumpkin pie. They're gross. We know this, but you're going to eat it, and you're going to tell me herring. you it. Like, You're, you know, you're stuck on this mackerel thing. <laughs>
3: it, it doesn't matter. It's <laughs> gross. Fish and pumpkin. But you know what? The so grandma, what fish does
4: go the, good with pumpkin? I don't know.
3: <laughs> I, I just don't think it's possible. I, just, I don't care if
1: you're drunk. I don't think it's possible. Don't get
2: me wrong, though. I would have
1: ate it and I would have sucked it up.
2: You know, what would have got me that, a cool present at the end of the year. It's not that off. Because herring salad, which is a German dish, uh, is like... You know, it's pickled herring and it's got apples and onion and beets. And so it has that sweet with the fish thing. So it's not crazy off. Mind you, herring sounds disgusting, in my opinion. Yeah, <laughs> but my, exactly. mom, uh, my mom and her sisters absolutely love it. And it used to be at every single holiday meal. And I was always like. Oh, that's disgusting. Question: question
1: yeah. about your audience, Nettie. Do you have someone who's from who who's in Germany listening to you? Because we could totally ask them. Uh, if, probably yes.
2: If herring and pumpkin pie is a thing. All right, German listeners or anyone who knows why you would put herring and pumpkin into a pie. I I have a feeling that it's not so much like a, a sweet pie, but more like. Uh, it's a pot pie. She yeah, like a, it a pot, pot pie. pie. Yeah, yeah, like, like the
1: the savory type of English yeah. pie. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You know, it could have. You know, she could have done a little. Like, she could have made it look like a pie, but no, it looks like a fish.
2: Like,
3: yeah, because she like, made it, it. She did the fancy crust. A, yeah, yeah like a, like, ah. i'm sorry i'm not gonna eat it but i'm gonna call my grandmother up and say that was the best thing i've ever had we would,
1: def- <laughs> exactly. we would definitely give that to the pigs but we definitely would have also called grandma and be like that pie was awesome
3: exactly
1: <laughs> so good mm-hmm. i watched
4: Jen
3: eat it. she ate it like a pig <laughs> uh so fyi it is a real Japanese dish.
1: Oh my god!
3: Really? Oh my um, yes, it does I not surprise me. The, they, I they just do found a like recipe that.
2: for it. <gasps> Oh, it's gross. Oh, I f- kind of want to make it now. <laughs>
4: uh, okay. Oh, Balticon challenge!
3: Oh, <sighs> who can make the
4: best? Who can make the best herring and pumpkin pie?
3: No, if you actually saw some of the ingredients that was in this. All right, what do we got? Uh six pickled herring, okay. okay. A oh, small it's pumpkin. It's pickled. Mhm. Oh, everybody eats pickled herring. Like pickled herring isn't bad. Okay. Uh mushrooms, onion, two slices of cheese. Oh yeah. Flour, milk, okay. Uh you've got your broth, olives, yep. more for decoration. Uh butter and then you've got of course your seasonings. Mm. I'm sorry, you're putting cheese and pumpkin and mushrooms and herring together? I don't know. The cheese kind of works for me. That's not okay with me. Cheese makes everything better. (laughs) I don't know how I feel about cheese and pumpkin. (sighs) Not okay. (laughs) Well, have you ever done the cheddar cheese on apple pie? Well, yes, I can do that. Sharp cheddar uh, cheese and yeah, or cheese and apples. I eat that all the time. Oh, yeah, yeah.
2: Because cheese, you know, putting uh, cheese on your apples is gr- uh, great because crackers will actually change the flavor of the cheese, whereas the apple will bring out the flavor of the
4: All cheese. All right. So the taste of delicious rye in my mouth has now been replaced by that of bile <laughs> as it is now rapidly rampaging its way up my esophagus. So where are <laughs> well, we on the plot?
3: Okay. There's totally a side note that says, hey, you know, if you don't like the idea of pickled herring, why don't you try cod? I could almost be <laughs> because so my thing was you use white fish, but some of the ingredients in this I'm not okay with. <laughs> so in other words, so in other
1: words, Jen and Nutty are like they want to try this. Me and Tech. Oh, nice.
3: oh no, I didn't say I would. Try I think I'm it. the only one that's I, willing to try so this. If, this, if this I think is if done, you fed it to me and I didn't know, I'd be okay. So on, uh, so
4: uh, I'm gonna sidebar the sidebar. <laughs> if this is if this is what you do with pickled white fish, are you familiar with something called surstroming?
2: Oh, we're not talking about Sir Stroming.
3: Sir Stroming
4: is a dish from Sweden. It's not pickled white fish. It's fermented white yeah. fish.
3: I am it, familiar uh, with fermented
4: fish. It is illegal in some parts of Sweden to open this outside because your neighbors will kill you. The smell is so rancid.
1: Go ahead go ahead
4: and
3: tell them, Jen. I, the elders where I used to live, uh, fermented fish head, like they would literally bury it mm-hmm. on the beach was a delicacy, yep. uh, oh. as as was stink eggs, that oh. actually taking salmon eggs and uh, putting them in a jar with cloth over it and letting them ferment. So oh. I am familiar with the whole fermented fish. And all of my <laughs> listeners are puking their guts out. Basically. I, this stuff, like, literally when you eat it, you eat it with gloves. Um, oh. Stop Yeah, I'm... <laughs> Don't make those noises, man. I'm quite quite a... Have you tried it?
4: You're familiar with it, but have you tried
3: tried it? I have ate one stink egg. I refuse to eat anything that has to do with that fish head. (laughs) (laughs) I will never do it again. So the granddaughter is totally rude and she
2: refuses. She's like, ugh, granny sent me this disgusting thing again. And this also happens to be the girl or some of her friends are the girls that are at the party that uh, Kiki walked past uh, earlier when she went shopping. You know, they were talking about what they were going to wear to this party. It's the same girl. It's Even though it's a city, it's kind of a small town. So she's flying home. There was another delivery in there, but it was something heavy. She had to take it to the stop of a... Uh, apartment building not important she's flying it starts raining and cue the rain because she's trying to make sure that she gets all her deliveries done on time she uh gets back 15 minutes late and by 30 seconds misses tombo because he can't wait around long well, she- enough
1: for a 13 year old girl well, actually, she doesn't miss him because Asano points out that she can still, see, you know, she can yeah. get on her broom and catch him, and you can see him in the background with his umbrella walking mm-hmm, away, mm-hmm. dejected.
3: Gigi points out that he's down there, and she still keeps flying.
1: Yeah, and it,
4: you know, and I think well, she can't let Tombo think- see her look like that. I mean, she doesn't have her hair
1: did.
3: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Or, or a
1: better dress to wear because and in, in, I, but you know, I definitely see where kiki's coming from because she was trying her hardest to get back on time so she could get ready and make herself you know reasonably presentable yeah she may not have had a fancy dress or fancy shoes Mm -hmm. but it would have given her that time to get herself ready in her own mind in her own self you know appreciation and she doesn't get that and in fact She would have had to go up to him and be like, hey, I look like a drowned rat. Let's go. (laughs)
4: And I totally see where she's upset. To the listeners and to everyone here, you may find this surprising, but I have never been a 13-year-old girl. But – even with that startling that startling revelation, I totally understand this. And that's yeah. the, the, the mastery of this film and the mastery of Miyazaki and his you know his coming of age stories is that I get this character. Yeah. And I get her decision at this point. It's like, oh no, I totally missed him. Yo dude, he's right there. Oh no, darn I missed him. No, no, he's, like, four feet away from us. No, he, he's I there. No, 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 I missed, I missed him. It's too late. I look horrible. I have to go to my room now. He,
3: he's not at my door. I, you're you're you on know. a flying broom. <laughs> yeah.
4: Yeah. No, it's out of gas.
3: So, uh, yeah.
2: So, she ends up getting sick and uh, is not feeling well. Um, and she's sick for a little while, and then when she recovers, Asano, uh, arranges for Kiki to see Tombo by sending her on a delivery to him. Uh, So uh, Kiki apologizes for missing the party and Tombo takes her for a test ride on the flying machine that he's been working on uh, that is fashioned from a bicycle. Uh, this
1: is super dangerous, by the way.
2: Oh, totally dangerous. They're just riding around with this bike with a giant propeller on the front. This is the most beautiful machine ever made, and I want one. <laughs> yeah. And they're going faster than cars. Yeah. And 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 Kiki is totally starting to fall for him and really into him. And at one point they actually start flying and they even talk about it. It's like, was was that my machine or was that you? And uh, it ends up being in a crash. And so it's all messed up at the end. But Tombo doesn't seem to be all that upset because he actually got to fly. Well, you
1: know, also, this is also where we see the change, first changes in Gigi. Mm -hmm. Because he's, he's, if you've, if you've noticed from from the moment she gets sick uh, to this point, his, he's talking has not stopped. But it's definitely nowhere near as chatty as Phil Hartman was before. And also he's becoming far more infatuated with the white
2: cat. Yes. While she's sick, he just goes in and and snuggles up to the to the white cat. And when she goes on this delivery, she tells him, Oh, don't worry, I'll I'll be quick. And so she he's not even with her. And he doesn't respond really yeah. either. And um so she she ends up meeting some of Tombo's friends who happen to be the same boys that she's seen before and the girl from the party who's kind of a snob, kinda yeah a bit well yeah um, who 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 can't even be nice to her granny's pie and. Uh, so she gets intimidated and uh, instead of joining them, there's this big dirigible on the, that uh, landed on the beach. And so they're all going to go and check it out. And instead of joining them, she ends up walking home. Uh, she comes home. She's all depressed. And then she finds out she can't understand Gigi. He's, uh, and- he's meowing at her. Yeah. And he's
1: acting like a cat. Like he's yeah. not acting like Gigi. He's acting like a straight up black cat.
2: Yeah, when I was watching this at first, I was like, "Wait, is are we sure this is Gigi? Is this yeah. just another black cat? Like, what's going on?" Apparently, all black cats look alike in this universe. Yeah, it's so it's another one. Yeah, and then um, she discovers that she's lost her ability to fly. Well, uh, it's well, it's it's funny. It's
1: because it's it's actually really cool because. I shouldn't say cool, but it's definitely a really, really good way to show it because what happens is she tries to fly and it's mm-hmm. just she kind of just lazily floats to the ground and eventually she can't even do that. And it and it happens so quickly and so suddenly. And you can see the distress because she's never experienced this before. Yeah. So and, uh, oh, go yeah. ahead. And. Oh, no, I was just going to say in response to this is where we get to see the differences in approaches from uh, Osano and Ursula.
2: Mm -hmm. absolutely so um she ends up getting a visit from ursula who uh thinks that kiki's crisis is a form of uh artist's block and so she invites her to come with her and uh stay over in the cabin for a night and that's kind of an interesting thing especially because the way that they get back they're taking the bus and then they have to hitchhike and Again, it's one of those things where it's like, okay, in the real world, this would be very dangerous. Yeah. Um, sure. Hi, I'm a stranger who lives in the woods. Come hitchhike with me to my house. Yeah, and then two two young girls hitchhiking. Nothing could possibly go wrong.
1: You know, and I think before she leaves, you know, when she talks to Osano, 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 about, Osano about it, um, she says maybe you've just used it too much because mm-hmm. you've been working so hard.
3: Yeah. I felt it was puberty. that's mm-hmm, see, yeah.
1: mm-hmm. see that's the fan theory. I shouldn't say fan theory, but that's definitely a lot of the critical analysis of this have decided that Miyazaki used that as an example or an analogy for her going through puberty mm-hmm. because before this, with the flying machine, you definitely see her starting to open up to tombo, mm-hmm. which is something that she's never really had the chance to do before because we don't see any. But young boys in her hometown. Matter of fact, when she she leaves, it's young girls. And in fact, they make a joke about how, you know, she's only there for she says she's only there for training. And the girl says, tell that to all the boys.
3: Yeah. And see, my thing is when uh, Gigi is her best friend and Mm -hmm. she straight up says that earlier in the movie. And sometimes when you know you hit the whole hey i kind of like boys or i kind of like girls stage sometimes friends will drift apart a little bit when it comes to
2: a oh, significant
3: yeah. other taking more time
2: oh well come on we've all had that you're you're really good friends with somebody and suddenly they start dating and you no longer see them yeah. and i mean that that like never stops but in puberty it kind of or in the age around puberty it it is more drastic because suddenly that's all this person can think about is that other yeah. person and yazaki's
1: uh, hitting he's hitting it at all strides right now mm-hmm. like that dude's pin his pin is mighty <laughs> he gets it
2: yeah so she oh. she's she's with uh, Ursula they' They're at the cabin and Ursula's like sketching her and talking about what it's like to experience a block, you know, uh, like writer's block or an artist's block. And uh, Kiki gets a, to look at this painting that she's working on, which is gorgeous. W- what is everyone's thoughts of this painting?
1: If she was 18 years old, this would be a lesbian version of Ghost. <laughs> See, I was just going back to Titanic
3: and draw me like one of your French girls. Oh boy! <laughs> Y'all are so see, corrupt. See, we're thinking the same thing. Really? Because I, I was only all about the acid drip.
4: Yeah. <laughs> so, but Nutty, uh, uh, Nutty tell us a bit about where that painting actually comes from.
2: So the paint, this is painted by the students at a special school for challenged children. Uh, Miyazaki added Kiki's face and Oga, uh, one of the art staff members and also did some touch ups on it but it's titled The Ship Flying Over the Rainbow and it actually gets a special credit at the end yeah. of the movie. Yeah, it does. And it's gorgeous. I I think it's fantastic. I absolutely love this painting. And I love how it, you know, you're in this animated world and then the painting is just real. You know, it's it's that's how it was painted. It wasn't painted to match this world. It just matches the you know, it's just the actual painting put it's into this a, animated this world. This
4: beautiful impressionist, like stippled painting, mm-hmm. and
2: you've got like this Pegasus and this uh, what, what what would you call that thing? I don't know, like a war pig? I war mean, pig? <laughs> cattle? You no, know, maybe because that. You know,
1: it's. You know, given Miyazaki's proclivity for flying
0: mm-hmm. and
1: and high soaring, I think that's a really good choice of a of a painting to put in the film because it is a, a it's a kind of like a, a not not won't say like a nightscape flying so mm-hmm. to speak, or at least a a some sort of transition and movement. And you can tell that just by the painting; it's really really good painting. Right. Although I still stick to my guns that if she was eighteen, this would definitely be the pottery
3: ghost. so that totally makes me wonder um on the painting there's the crows Indeed. Mm-hmm. so was he inspired for the crows from the painting or were the crows like yeah that's in? a good question
2: that's
1: a really mm. good question i mean i honestly it could have gone either way because miyazaki's his all of his films have always had a lot of himself in them and when we get to the wind rises we will definitely see him in that film along with porco Rosso*, which is next if i'm not mistaken correct i think uh, so
2: next up is yep, yes porco rosa, porco rosa.
1: Yeah, see, we're going to get to see a lot more Miyazaki in Wind Rises and Porco Rosso. Mm. But I think in this instance, I definitely think his love of flying, but is also his humanitarianism um, show up with this painting and you know its origin and so forth. So I definitely wouldn't be surprised if he had been influenced by the painting to add the crows. It's kind of an extra touch for the children who helped make this painting.
3: That's what I'm wondering. Mm.
1: I am.
4: This can be edited out because I like making nutty edits. But what's Why? the? Um, uh, I think it's one of the last ones on the list. But what's the one about the uh, inventor of the zero? That's the wind rises. The wind rises. Okay. okay. Yeah, Why did I edit like,
1: that out? I'm not.
4: Speaking dude. of flying and soaring.
1: Right. Yeah, it. Like I said, that film is literally Miyazaki it, putting himself in the film. Like, yeah, he may not have put himself in there by name, okay. but it's it's premise, the thing it's talking about, like the way he just. I mean it's it's almost fetishizing flying in that it's 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 dripping with with miyazaki's influence like you know it's it's a really good film i really like that one got to see Mm. that in theaters by the way awesome
2: so um she's she's uh she sees this painting it's awesome uh after this whole time with ursula she's hoping she can get over it but she's got to think about what do i do if if I can't get over it. So she ends up going and visiting those two old ladies again. And they, they made her a cake because <laughs> it was cute. And the, 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 logo on, it ends up being her logo later. And it's really cute. And they're just, they're so sweet. But uh, that airship, the dirigible, um, there's a big accident and they see it on the television. And she, a strong gust uh, leaves Tombo hanging from midair because he went for a ride on the dirigible. So Kiki's just got to get her powers back in order to save him, and she tries a couple of times and fails, and then eventually gets up there, and she's flying on a like push broom. a push broom, yeah, <laughs> that she took from just some rando.
1: And b- by the way, really, it's not. I don't think it's a goof. I just think it's uh, how they wanted to finish the film. But if you mm-hmm. notice that at the end of the movie, when they show her symbol, mm-hmm. she's on the push broom. Yes. Nice.
2: Yes, she is. And uh, well, I, because her original broom broke, Indeed. her mom's her mom's broom broke, and uh, that was very upsetting for her. But she has to figure out how to fly on this broom. And it, I was pretty anxious because I had tweeted. Uh- that I was watching it for the first time, and while we were watching it, uh, Hugh O'Donnell from the Way of the Buffalo podcast talked about how he always teared up watching it, and so I was expecting some horrible disaster to happen. This is uh, <laughs> this is we're now two for two, yeah. For Miyazaki, uh, the two movies that we've watched so yeah. far, Miyazaki
4: uh, has this great buildup where you're thinking something massively horrible is going to happen. Yeah, um, you know, in Totoro, you know, we're all. In anticipation of uh, you know you know May is missing. Where did she go? What's going to happen? Oh my god! This movie doesn't end with a dead little girl, does it? Spoilers, it doesn't. And then this one here is oh my god! What is this horrible tragedy that's about to befall us? She's not going to lose her powers, is she? Spoilers, nah, she's fine. Um, <laughs> hey, 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 hey Tom, hey, you know it
1: might not have been her losing her powers. Tom could have plummeted to his death.
3: Right, but now we're going. to... Well, if t- she had lost her powers, he would have. Right, and it, 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 and. I I've
4: got this little voice in the back of my head that's going. You haven't watched *Grave of the Fireflies* yet, so wow, is this great horrible yes. tragedy going to afflict these people? Spoilers, yes, yes, it is.
1: <laughs> Man, <laughs> I was. Here's, a, here's here's the thing. You guys are still in Miyazaki's loving and warm, tender embrace. He gets a little colder in some later films. <laughs> I'm just gonna, just gonna put that out there.
0: <laughs> like, just
2: gonna put that out there. I'm look, I'm
1: looking at you.
2: Uh, looking at you, castle in the sky. I'm looking at you. The wind okay. rises. So, so I was very anxious watching this whole scene, and very happy. Uh, she ends up saving Tombo. And the clock tower comes into play there, and it's awesome, and it's wonderful, and nobody dies. And yay, she has her confidence back. But she's never able to hear Gigi again. That was my question. See,
1: see, here's the thing. Mm. In the Japanese dub, he never speaks again.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: In the English dub, if I'm not mistaken, he does respond, but it's not... It's not like him. It's not Phil Hartman saying something. Right. It's more like a. It's more like of a kind of a. Oh, okay, or, mm-hmm. or just kind of an acknowledgement that's not words, um, more like a sound grunt, whatever. Right. And a lot of people got upset with that because when Miyazaki was questioned about it, he simply says Gigi had nothing to say. Mm. But a lot of people have, just, have have felt that the fact that Gigi had stopped acting like. He had stopped acting like himself, gone to acting like a cat, and towards the end of this was acting more like his usual self, except he didn't speak, as her kind of letting go of a lot of her childish uh, naivety.
3: Like getting rid of – like letting go of an imaginary friend. Indeed. So um, this is based on
2: a children's book, um, and uh, I am on uh, Nausicaa.net. Uh, their FAQ for Kiki and it says yes Gigi doesn't speak in human words at least to Kiki anymore because they grew up not because she lost a power which makes you think that her not being able to hear him might have added to her lack of self-confidence so she attributed the fact that she couldn't hear him to the magic and that might have compounded the problem that she was having Uh, in the original book Hang on. In the original book, it is explained that a witch girl and a black cat are raised together from infancy. And that's why they can talk to each other. Notice that Kiki's mom never talks with Gigi directly. They are able to talk to each other because of their close relationship rather than magic itself. A cat being able to live so long would be magic. Uh, though. Miyazaki made Gigi not able to talk to Kiki even after she regained her power, power to show that Kiki has grown and doesn't need her other self anymore. Miyazaki says the most important thing for Kiki is whether she can meet the various people on her own. As long as she is flying on the broom with her cat, she is free. But to live in a town to get training means that she has to be able to walk the town alone and talk to people without her broom or her cat. Kiki and Gigi can start a new relationship as independent personalities. They remain friends with other meaningful relationships, such as Lily and the kittens for Gigi, uh, added on. So, mm-hmm.
4: this reminds me a lot of um, what you see with child prodigies. Right. Which I, I think this movie kind of really nails on the head that, you know, you have a, you know, a master violinist at age nine who is this, this superstar, this amazing child, but that same level of you know, violin virtuosity at 14 isn't that special anymore because there's a lot of people that can do that. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I think it's the same thing with the magical powers, like the, the, the broom flying and the, and the cat talking, that, yeah, okay, those are, that's very important when, when you're a kid, that she can do all of these things, but now that she's grown up, I think she can still do the same things. They now require effort. They now require uh, yeah, yeah, concentration. That the powers are still there; they're just not as innate, right? And
1: right. also, and also, um, a, one of the differences differences that you see compared, like comparatively, to her mother, that her mother, yes, her mother can fly on a broom and do all the other things that like Kiki did. Except her mother gained a trade. Her mother was making potions, right? Whereas the only skill, witch wise, that Kiki has is flying Mm -hmm. and so her ability to fly and to do those things successfully with her broom are far more intrinsic and a necessity for her than for like her mother or another witch because she doesn't have any of the other training that a witch would have so thus this is very very important so growing up and find and finding that self Confidence to be able to do those things without Gigi is also another thing that that could be represented right. by Gigi not speaking to her.
4: We do see that she has an innate talent for cooking because you know she makes those those wicked awesome pancakes. Yes, and um, you know, she has apprenticed herself to a bakery, mm-hmm. so maybe some form of brewing or potion uh, potion making, etc., is in her future because of the, the 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 path that she's chosen in her apprenticeship.
2: Hmm. So, um, what is? Does anyone have any specific favorite parts that they want to mention? I do. Mm. Go ahead. First off, my
4: favorite part of this entire movie is Tombo, because mm. this who
2: is, by the way, played by Matthew Lawrence right. in the Disney version favorite part of this movie is Tombo uh, two
4: for two in the Miyazaki movies has there been a young male character that I recognize as little techie in <laughs> Totoro he was the young boy in the neighborhood wearing uh, what I would assume would be his father's military cap always marching around everywhere playing soldier Horr-
2: horrifiably a scared of girls
4: horrifiably a scared of girls because that was so totally me <laughs> and then in this movie young Tombo who is like hi I'm a boy and I like flying are you a girl Oh, my God, a girl (laughs) flying. Ah. Mm. That was so totally me. And it was so totally about flying. Like, I did not make a propeller-powered bike, but I was making, like, uh, gliders. You would have
2: um, if your mom let you.
4: Crazy paper airplanes. I was trying to set distance records outside my window, and I was uh, with the paper airplanes, not with anything else. Get your mind out of the gutter, Jason. I know. Oh, my Lord. Yeah, I know. He's that. He's weird. He's he's that kind of guy. But mm -hmm. just... For, for, these, for these two movies that are very obviously coming-of-age stories of young girls that he's still able to capture, in smaller parts, coming-of-age stories of young boys mm-hmm. and do them very, very well. And that, you know, these two characters, I, I don't remember the first guy's name, but uh, I, I especially see a lot of myself in young Tombo. And just every scene that he was in, it's like I totally remember doing that. <laughs> I totally remember being dressed to the nines, waiting outside of the door. You know, I totally remember being nervous as hell, trying to hand her an invite to a party I knew she wasn't going to. And, you know, I... And only waiting 10 minutes? And then, well, not, not even waiting at all. Uh <laughs> Because, <laughs> because in 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 my case it wasn't a og oh, kind of maybe no it was flat out rejection. But I, I I don't know that that was my favorite part was that he was he he's able to it's not just a coming of age story of one person or another it's what everybody goes through when they come of age. Mm. Uh,
3: so uh, favorite parts. Hmm. I. Hmm. My favorite part was the two little old ladies. Oh my god, I and- love them. and the interaction that kiki actually has with them because the the grandma was like here um i tried to make this it didn't work but i've already used your time, so i'm gonna pay you and send you on your way you know and kiki is like well i can't really accept that let me help you and you know we'll figure this out together Mm -hmm. And I guess that kind of reminded me of me because there was this little old lady uh, Mm -hmm. when I was living in Juneau that I don't even remember how we met, but I was helping her uh, one time and then all of a sudden it was like every day I was over at the house and she was like a little adopted grandma Mm -hmm. and but then her grandkids like never appreciated what she did for them. Mm-hmm. and it just it totally reminded me of that and then the um the other little lady that totally was you know sitting in the hallway playing with the broom it, mm-hmm. it was pretty great i was that was the costellos for
2: me <laughs> yeah yeah that was uh there i lived in a neighborhood with um a lot of elderly uh because like we were after the next generation, you know, and, and when my mom moved out, like it was all young families, but in, in where all the older people were, but it was like, you know, the writers, the Costellos, all of that. We had these surrogate grandparents all over the neighborhood and it's, you know, Oh, we raked our leaves. Time to rake their leaves. We, you know, shoveled our walks time to shovel their walk and that sort of a thing. Uh, Definitely something that we did. Um, I think for me, uh, my favorite parts um, I actually really did uh, dig Kiki going and, and seeing what Ursula's life was like and seeing that Ursula could take care of herself. And uh, and and I think that that definitely helps her a bit in her journey. Um, but I also really enjoy that whole idea of, you know, a, a, an older young woman helping a younger young woman kind of see her way and, and finding out it's OK. You don't have to be the superstar. You can just be you. You don't have to be anything anybody else wants you to be. You, you can figure out your own way. And I thought that that was, I don't know, it was incredibly powerful for me. Jason, did you have a favorite spot? Oh,
1: it's, it's very hard for me because <clears throat> I, I overall, I think it's, this hits so many notes so well that it's kind of hard to pick one. But I think mine would actually have to be the farewell um, at the very beginning. Yeah, she, that's really nice because i really really think not only does this symbolize her childhood but it also symbolizes the fact that you know what parents always say right is that their kids are growing up way too fast and you know even the older lady says you know I I did she's 13 already wow time flies Mm -hmm. and the mom's like the mom kind of says this yeah kind of this very lamenting very I remember when I did this so now I know what my parents were going through type deal Mm -hmm. and I really like the interaction with um Kiki and her father because she asks she asks him for something very immature or or very childish it's she wants she's like will you pick me up like you used to and he's like (laughs) you know oh i don't know and he, you know he d- and it's not like he's faking trying to pick her up yeah. like, no she's like he's a teenager like <laughs> like and he's an older guy like he but he does it and i i really like that whole thing and i love it how the whole town comes out to see her off like it definitely speaks to small town you know you small town usa and mm-hmm. you know everyone knows everyone and it just sets up a very good dynamic to compare to how the film ends
2: right and so like, for me, when I was first watching it, um, I kept thinking, oh, she's going to go to another town and get training. Like, I thought she was going to go to, like, a wizard school or something. No, 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 no. It's go and be by yourself and figure everything out about being a witch by yourself. That's insane. You <laughs> like, yeah, perfectly out. normal in this world. Yep, perfectly normal. But uh, so my only complaint is I feel like the movie just kind of stops. The end doesn't feel like a full end. I just feel like we stopped just because they were like, oh, 108 minutes, time to stop.
4: I was going to bring this up in the ratings, but mm. I'll bring it up now that, uh, you know, animation is incredibly expensive uh, to produce. Especially in, at this at this point when it's not, you know, a computer doing it, right. it's, it's people drawing it cell by cell. It's incredibly expensive, which is why all animated movies are almost exactly 100 minutes or 90 minutes. Yeah. And- very often are they any more than that and what this movie needs more than anything to me is another 30 minutes yeah had this been like a full two hours or a a 210 i would have been happier because it goes you know calamity conclusion there's no there's
1: it's missing something i think yeah i agree see maybe this is my nostalgia goggles working here because um when I was a young kid in elementary school, we had foreign language, and Japanese was one of them. And our teacher actually brought in, recorded off Japanese television, raw, no subtitles, no nothing. Kiki's Delivery Service, and we watched it the whole way through with you know her translating and us listening and so forth. And so I don't, I don't think we need anymore that like because I mean, we see her grow up and we see her character development and we see the progression from the impetuous, very. Thoughtless um, younger teenager to an actual more mature and thoughtful teenager. And there's some subtle examples of her actually progressing this way before the climax of the film such as as she progresses through her deliveries and getting more used to them mm-hmm. she starts taking she starts taking she's like okay well how much does it weigh where am i going how far is it blah 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 and that's she's she's actually treating it as a delivery job like, yeah she's and she does that very quickly and yes this is only we're only with her for maybe what a week yeah, about a month at least yeah, I mean, I a short say, time, you know, yeah. it's, it's it's a, a very short two. time. Yeah. yeah. So I don't, I don't think we need more because I mean, you got to think, right? What else are we gonna?
2: It just we, felt very abrupt learn? to me. Um, so let's mo- let's move into the ratings. Uh, so Tech, what what do you give this? Um, I'll give this.
4: Wow. To be fair, eighty percent. Okay. And the other twenty percent was in that last thirty minutes that we didn't see.
2: So eight out of ten. What? Yep.
4: Eight. 8 out of 10 Phil Hartman's.
2: 8 out of 10 Phil Hartman's. And uh, awesome. what
4: I have left of my right here, here's to you, Phil. Thank you very much. Can yes. you believe that there was a movie where Lionel Hutt's attorney at law played a cat? <laughs>
2: okay, so uh, Jen, what did you rate this? Are we doing this at 10? Well, however you want, I'll I'll do the fractions. It's always an arbitrary system. Yeah.
3: I know. Um. So I would definitely give it a Four out of five. Um, or I guess that would be eight out of ten. Mm-hmm.
1: But is it going to be eight out, your... eight out of ten once? sticks, Little black dresses?
3: Little black cats. Okay. We'll, we'll go that way. Um, just because it does... I know that it stops abruptly, but I feel that we are only seeing a part of her life as it is. Um, and, you know, there's there's a couple of other things I probably would have... Added to the movie there 's nothing I would have taken out, and so i 'd probably have to give it eight out of ten
4: no I, I agree with you with that like it, it feels like there's something missing, but I certainly wouldn't take anything away from the stuff that yeah. i saw right yeah yeah, no uh, I agree with you a hundred percent there
2: so i 'm going to uh buck this trend um, I am actually going to give this uh nine out of ten uh witches made out of bread hmm. <laughs> Uh, because at the end, that's that's what we get. We get uh, Kiki's little witch logo made out of bread, and it's it's awesome. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I loved it. I It just made me intensely happy, except for the end that made me extremely anxious. Like, I, I was sitting up. I was very, very anxious. But I think that that's also a testament to how good this movie is. So
4: where's the missing 10%? What could Miyazaki have done to make this a 10 out of 10? I figure.
2: don't know, um, but it just it feels a bit more abrupt and um, it's not as life-changing as Totoro was. Mm. So, you know, I mean, I loved it. I, I enjoyed it, but Totoro changed my life. Mm. So As, this as, as is, I realize that you're wearing your Totoro hoodie. I, I am wearing my Totoro hoodie <laughs> as we the, record that this. That has the
4: ears built into yes. the hood. Yes,
2: yes. Um, I, I will one day cosplay as Kiki, uh, but I, I don't see myself, you know, buying watercolors of Kiki uh, as, for pillows for the couch like I did with the Totoro. Mm. See, I think you're going
1: to, like, I think once we start getting into the. to, I feel like Kiki and Totoro are kind of the intro into Miyazaki's mm-hmm. stuff. Once we start getting into things like Nausicaa. And Spirited Away, specifically, um, and along with uh, 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 what is it? Uh, Princess Mononoke? Um, I think you're going to start getting those things that you're looking for out of the, for the mm-hmm. end of this film. I think you're going to start getting those in droves with those three films, um, just because of I think at this point Miyazaki was still kind of coming into his own style, so to speak.
2: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So what do you, you rate so, this?
1: I rate this and uh, I'm going to I'm going to rate this like you. I'm going to give it a nine out of ten herring pumpkin pies.
0: <laughs> um, well,
3: that's kind of low, isn't it? No, um, because see, the thing is, well, I mean, you use the herring pumpkin pies. I mean, that just kind of makes me wonder if it's a little low.
2: No, oh, that, no, The rating system cause... brings the nine down for you is what you're saying. No, it's yes, because, <laughs> no, it's because I love my grandma It's because I love my grandma. <laughs>
1: but no everybody I, loves I, your grandma exactly <laughs> and see my thing is and what 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 I will say though what does keep not making a 10 out of 10 is because I know um the 10 out of 10s in Miyazaki's pantheon I and I mm. and they're coming up um and so I don't and I I think Kiki's really really good it's really good but Spirited Away is much better mm. Nausicaa is much better princess mononoke much much better um the wind rises even though i know that people will fight me tooth and nail on this i think it's much better but these are much more mature and you can definitely see that these are geared strictly at children
2: so um, um we we have a cumulative score of uh or yeah uh, an average score rather of 8.5 for this what so was Totoro? Cool. <laughs> F- flat out one hundred
4: across yeah, the board. Everybody
2: gave it ten it out of it? ten because
1: it, yeah. it is adorable.
2: And yeah, great. it's Totoro. Totoro, and and for me a ten is life changing. You know, um, nines are really good. Uh, eight is good. Uh, seven is pretty good. You know, and then once you get into like six and fives, you're you're starting to get kind of wishy washy. Like I could have watched it or I could have not watched it. And then when I get down, you know, this is my personal rating system. When I get down into like the twos and the threes, uh, you have offended me. (laughs) 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 So that gives you an idea of how I rate things. Um, Basically, a five is not a good rating. You see, I don't even think
1: I don't. I'm going to live here. I don't think there's going to be a Miyazaki film rated lower than a seven. Like, and okay. I'm, and, that, and I, and I'm, and and that's me being lenient. Like, I want to say I don't think it's going to be less than an eight. But Earthsea is floating out there. And what about I, but, I, but is
2: including the one that makes you and Jen unable to look at raccoons in the same light? <sighs> oh.
1: Here's the deal,
2: right? Like, <laughs> what, what, about, about
3: what about the new it's one? Such a good <laughs> film. It's just Let's
1: see. Here's the deal.
2: <sighs> Talk about life
1: changing.
3: No, no, no. Don't reason,
2: spoil anything.
1: No, no, no. no. I'm saying <laughs> the reason why I'm pretty sure it's not gonna be, it's not gonna get a low rating is because when you're talking about a Isao Takahata, it's a different ball game. Like you're, it's like going from. It's like going from football to rugby. Like there's just something far more gritty and hitting you in the mouth when it comes to rugby, right? Like, okay. What and about South Takahata? And
2: you're, oh, that's you're the talking about that's, that's Takahata. A, that's not a Miyazaki. Film. That's the no. same you're guy right. that did. Right. Um, okay. Brave uh,
4: with the Firefly. The, the one I'm not watching. Sure. Um, <laughs> I, I just saw a thing in the news on uh, uh, Kotaku. They were talking about the new uh, Ghibli film in Japan in theaters right now called The Red Turtle. Is not doing very well at all, and yeah. there's a lot of hate around it because it's it, it the the director's a, a Dutchman whose name I've forgotten, and it the movie has no dialogue in it whatsoever. Mm. It's just this beautiful art piece of this guy stranded on an island and this thing with sea turtles, and it looks awesome. It looks like a beautiful art piece, and if you go in thinking it's an art movie, and I, I think what's happening is that people are walking in thinking it's the next Totoro. Mm.
1: See, the thing about it is, in Japan, voice actors are huge. Right. And so if you don't have any of them, like, you're at a big disadvantage. Right, so if it was the Red
4: Turtle with Richard Epcar as the voice of the
1: turtle... Mm -hmm. (laughs) I'm (laughs) Richard Epcar. I have a manly and sexy voice. That would be one sexy turtle. (laughs) There's no doubt about it. But no, it's, it's like... It's just like how here, like when they want to try to get backing or, or get an audience for a certain show that they've got, they license. When they license it, they get, you know, they get people like Sonny Strait and, you know, Steve Bloom. And oh, or, or, or casting Scarlett Johansson is the major, for example. I'm, I'm talking. I'm talking about voice acting. I'm not yep. talking about movies. No, but it's the same action. thing.
2: Okay, so um, but yeah, I get you. yeah, moving yeah, on. Yeah, moving yeah, on. Well, our our next film is Porco Rosco?
4: Porco Roscoe The red pig in Italian.
2: Oh, okay. Um, so is this... is this All right, my prediction here, and I knew nothing about this. My prediction is it is the Japanese version of Charlotte's Web. Tech, <laughs> what is your prediction? Wow. Uh, my, uh,
4: <laughs> my prediction, based on the art that I saw in the DVD that's downstairs, that this is the uh, Japanese story of Red Baron.
2: Oh, Ooh. Okay. Okay. Y-
1: you're. you're sl-
2: I- <clears throat>
3: no. No. Leave leave <laughs> Spoilers. It. Leave, it. leave it.
2: Save it. Leave and now it. everyone we're, who's we're watched bo- it. We're
1: both right.
3: <laughs> everyone
2: who's watched it is like, oh my God, can you believe what they just predicted? basically
4: they're so right no i can just imagine this guy in the cockpit of his airplane in world war one looking down all of a sudden there's a spider spinning a web between the controls saying left rudder now you idiot
3: what (laughs) and with that jason is biting his tongue
2: so hard right now this is fantastic so, with that, thank you so much, everyone, for joining us. You can uh, find more information about this by going to nimlass.org or by going to patreon slash NukeJoss or by going to, I'm hoping you guys are also publishing these, talk nerdy to me podcast.com. The two is the number two. And uh, thank you, everyone, for joining us and doing this today. And uh, we will be back with Porco Rosso, the Red Baron version of Charlotte's Web. bye bye guys
3: (laughs) tired of your everyday commute
1: wish you knew what movies to watch we offer you flash pulp Three to ten minutes of fiction brought to you Monday, Wednesday, and Friday evenings with goodies every Sunday with Three Day Fish, who is always listening.
2: Uh...